Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Homemade Ops. Today we're gonna talk about forbearance considerations with mortgages, library discounts on everything, and banks versus credit unions. Okay, everybody. So for our news for you today, we have a very exciting topic. Oh. Mortgage forbearance. Yay. Oh, fun. <laughs> this has become quite a hot topic with all the coronavirus stuff going on because they passed the CARES Act, which is a government act and it has a lot of regulations about the stimulus checks. And, and that was back in March, I believe, right? Right. Uh-huh. And so now a lot of people are dealing with uh, the idea that they can't pay their mortgage or struggling to pay pay their uh, mortgage. So we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the implications of mortgage forbearance and really what that even means. So mortgage forbearance means that you're basically taking a break from your payments for a while. So there's two different ways that you can take a break from your pay payments. There's forbearance versus deferment. So forbearance means you're taking a break from your payments. Of course, your mortgage lender said you can. You're not just giving a self-directed break. And then at the end of that period, you're going to have to pay back the amount of payments that you missed. So if you had a $500 payment every month and you didn't pay it for three months, not only are you gonna to have to resume your payments at the end of three months, but you're gonna to have to pay back that $1,500. And a lot of times they'll have additional fees or interest on top of that. Whereas deferment means that you're taking a break from the payments, but usually you don't have to make that up at the end. So it's just maybe a six month break from your payments. So you'll see this a lot on student loans. They'll say, you know, you won't have to make any payments until six months after you graduate and no extra interest will accrue. So you still have to pay the full loan amount or whatever it's given to you, but it's just that it, you're just shifting it. So you're saying, hey, you know what? I'm gonna shift all of my payments by three months over. So that means if you pay the same amount now, then you'll still pay, and let's say you stop for three months, well then you're just gonna add three months to the end of your loan, is basically what it's doing. Yeah, remember with a mortgage or student loans or anything like that, you're paying off a debt. Whereas with rent, you're just paying a monthly fee. So if you got a rent break, that's great. You're totally saving money. But if you have mortgage forbearance or deferment, you're still going to have to pay that money eventually because there's an amount due on the loan. It just depends when. And, and it, the reason they're doing this is because it's helping a lot of people who are maybe going through a difficult time financially and they can't afford their payments rather than foreclosing on their house, which means you know they can't make their payments so the, the bank takes over their house and they lose it. Um, then you can have a bit of a break. So you, so you got to be careful though. And the reason why we're bringing this topic up is because a lot of individuals now are considering this uh, forbearance feature that the CARES Act is now promoting. But you got to be careful because you're going to have some, uh, th there's some downstream effects that potentially could occur depending on the lender that you have. The unfortunate thing about the CARES Act is, it, it is there's some good stuff about it, but um, there's some of the cons though is, in some aspects of how forbearance should be handled, that's very vague in a couple places. So you gotta be careful because just like Kimberly was explaining with the forbearance feature, sometimes with forbearance, it's actually not the best option because you're just delaying your, pay your payments, but you still have interest sometimes accumulating. And depending on how your loan or your lender has structured your agreement with you, you could actually be hurting yourself if you actually take it. 
So you want to be careful as you actually consider taking it. And in fact, maybe just don't even take it at all. Uh, but that's going to be up to you. So here's some considerations that you should consider. So basically, our message here is forbearance is not something to take lightly. It's not something to think, oh, great, I don't have to make payments for six months. There's a lot of caveats to it. So here's what you should look into and consider. Okay, so first, uh, when it comes to the CARES Act, and we're not going to talk about other types of forbearance. We're going to talk about the forbearance that's specific to the CARES Act. So just know that there's other types that you should definitely talk to some uh, to some advisors before you actually do, just to make sure if it's the right choice for you. Really, what we're getting at here is the CARES Act just gave some minimal requirements for forbearance. For example, for any federally backed mortgage, like we talked about, then they're required to give a 12-month mortgage forbearance. However, they don't regulate, or the CARES Act did not have any regulation for specifics when it comes to what happens when the forbearance period ends. So if I had a $1,000 mortgage and I thought, great, I can take my forbearance for 12 months, that's great. Well, maybe your lender at the end of that 12 months says, okay, well, you're going to have to pay back those $12,000 all in one lump sum payment plus additional fees and interest. I mean, not all lenders will do that. Some may, some may not, but you have to be careful because the CARES Act didn't regulate anything like that. Depend, you know, it didn't provide any guidance on what can and can't happen when the forbearance is over. So you don't want to be hit where you lose your house at the end of forbearance. You think, oh, great, I get a break for all of this time. Then you get to the end and you still owe that money. And by then, $1,000 a month isn't as bad as a one-time $12,000 lump sum payment or however much usually mortgages are even more expensive than that. So that can add up quickly, and you want to be careful so you don't run into issues at the end of the forbearance period. So a lot of experts are still recommending that you actually continue just to pay your loan if you can. And when we mean loan, we mean your mortgage. This is relating or specifically talking about mortgage forbearance right now, not other stuff like auto loans or anything like that. Or student loans or, or anything Or student like that. loans. So make sure with those, you'll have to check with uh, your lender pertaining to those. But right now we're specifically talking about mortgage uh, forbearance uh, relating COVID-19. So just be careful, cautious, pay attention to those, reach out to your lender and see what your options are if you have to take it. The nice thing is it won't ding your credit for 12, uh, for 12 months, but make sure you know the terms and conditions when you talk with your lender so you don't run into any more issues down the road. And remember, they're not forgiving that part of your loan. So you will have to pay that amount either as a lump sum or maybe in installments over time. Um, I've seen even some banks are doing a 12-month installment. So basically your mortgage will be doubled the next year because you don't pay for 12 months and then you have to pay back what you missed for another 12 months on top of your regular payments. So we recommend just using it as a last-ditch sort of thing where it can be really great for people who lost their job or are going through a really difficult time. Um, we know it's been some of the highest unemployment in a long time. But you don't want to take it lightly. And it is it is a better better option than losing your house, potentially. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, but then foreclosing on your home. But something to really, really be careful and think about these other factors. So talk with your bank, talk with your lender, talk with your advisors, and they'll point you in the right direction. But just know what you're getting yourself into when it comes to 
uh, this forbearance. It's not just like a uh, get out of jail free card <laughs> while playing Monopoly. Isn't it crazy how much more complicated mortgages make things? Oh my gosh. Okay. So do you remember the days when we didn't have a mortgage? With rent? Yay! It's a bummer because, <laughs> you know, your money wasn't going towards anything, but whew, it was very easy and free. <laughs> I have to say, I do like, so what's good about a mortgage, okay, there's very little that's good because you're paying a lot of interest, <laughs> but at least your money's going towards something unlike rent. However, what's nice about rent is you don't have the responsibility, right? <laughs> so I, oh my gosh, actually funny story. So one time when I, uh, so I, when I was younger in college and did I know you at this time? Was this when we were married or was this No, this, this is before. right before I met you. Yeah, that's right. This is right before you met me. I only me. lived down the street though. That's so. right. She only lived down the street and we were both going to college. I was actually trying to find a place to live and I was so new to the rent game. I didn't know what I was doing. This was years and years ago over it, like over almost 10 years ago now. Well, I was trying to figure out what the crap was going on. And uh, so I was just visiting random places that looked like apartments. <laughs> so, and I, so I'm just shopping around trying to see all these rates and I see this place and it had a weird name. It was called Friendship Manor. <laughs> And I go over to it and it looked like a nice apartment. It was right next to the university. So I give them a call and I'm like, hey, can I, uh, uh, what are your rates? Like I'm looking to rent. And they just looked and they just said, you're looking to rent? What, what do you mean? I'm like, well, yeah, it's, it's, that's what you have there. Apartments, right? And they're like, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, uh, you know, like 21, 22, whenever it was. And they're just like, uh, we're a retirement home. <laughs> okay, to your credit, that place looks exactly an apart like an apartment because it's a tall white building right next to and the university. Yeah, and retirement homes usually are one story because it's hard for you know older people to have stairs and elevators. So it is the most bizarre looking retirement home I've ever seen. Looking back though, I mean, if you are going to stay in an apartment, a college dorm that says Friendship Manor, that's <laughs> and it was a pink neon sign. <laughs> that's right, pink neon sign. So so like 60s, 70s. Well, you'd probably want to run away from one of those anyway. Probably not a good place to stay. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about one of our favorite segments, a couple couple deals. I love couple couple deals. So today we actually have one that is near and dear to my heart. And it's because nobody knows about this. <laughs> well, a lot of people millennials do. don't. Right. Our generation. <laughs> millennials don't. So millennials and also generation Zers. Okay. You need to know about the library card. Yes, a library card. People think it's something of the past and something dumb. No, seriously, these things are amazing. So Kimberly and I, uh, we discovered that you can get so much free crap with a library card. And beyond just books. Oh yeah. yeah. A you, lot more than that. You get free books to rent and listen to. Uh, you can actually, now most of these libraries are moving online or building an online presence where you can listen to so many audiobooks and even just rent them for free right from your phone. And so you, instead of using something like Audible, which I like Audible, Audible is great, but usually have to buy credits and purchase books and or trade them in. Well, not with a library card. It's completely free. You don't pay anything. Nothing. You also get access to free movies. Uh, you can also streaming movies. You can get access to free streaming music. Now, it's not going to have as large of a selection as like Apple or uh, or Amazon Music or something like that, but it's still free. I mean, it's pretty cool. Well, and I've, there are very few books that I haven't been able to find. So the way we use it is I'll go check out physical books occasionally, but it's so hard to find time to sit down and open a book and read sometimes. Yeah. So we really like doing audiobooks, especially all the libraries are closed right now with the pandemic. So sometimes it's hard to get 
something new to read or something to do after you've watched everything on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) So there's something you can pair it with an app called Libby, L-I-B-B-Y, or Overdrive is the other one. Yeah, and also I think Hoopla. Is that the other yeah, one? Yeah, those are free apps. So those apps don't cost anything either. You download them and you sign in with your library card credentials or your library card number. And really the only thing you need for a library card is a valid address in that city or county. So we have a county-wide library and you just have to show them your driver's license that has your address. And we even have a second library card from our old city we used to live in. So it's pretty easy. That's all you have to do is you go in and you get it. And with the pandemic, a lot of them are letting you sign up online. So it's a great place to find good entertainment. You just pair them with apps. And if you Googled, you know, apps that pair with a library card, you could probably find even more than that. So the ones we use are the Libby Overdrive for, um, and Hoopla, I guess, too, for audiobooks. And then we've also used lynda.com. So we found out lynda.com is a great place for online learning. Um, they have everything. Yeah. They have uh, tutor- like free tutorials for Photoshop, for uh, SEO, for marketing, all sorts of co- all sorts of topics. Yeah, or even fun things too, right? Like cooking. Drawing, like yeah. That. Cooking, yeah. drawing. They have all- I don't uh-huh. know about cooking, but I did see one for drawing. Okay. Yeah, stuff. so they have like fun classes too, not even just educational. So those are really cool. But I found out you can get an app for lynda.com too, which is L-Y-N-D. Oh, wait, Lynn. Yeah, that's right. L-Y-N-D-A. Right, L-Y-N-D-A. Now, just a heads up on that. Not every single uh, library will have access to lynda.com because, again, this is all through your library. So you'll just go to your library, go to their online portals, and see what they have to offer for online services. Some will offer online services like lynda.com and other learning platforms. Some of them will have other features as well. But, yeah, usually audiobooks or online learning you have to pay a lot more for. So having it for free is great, especially right now when it's hard to get books or, you know, you might be tempted to go on Amazon and order a book. And a lot of times I like it, too, when I'm not so sure if I'm going to like a book. Um, It's a lot easier to just do that. Or I'm part of a book club now, um, which is a lot of fun. And I can always just request the audiobook there and I can listen to it while I'm working or getting ready. It makes you feel more productive, too, (laughs) you know, when you're learning while you're doing things. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and move on over to the next phase of our education module. So, so far we've talked about uh, budgets and how to set those up. We've talked about uh, some other tools, mindsets when it comes to uh, handling your finances and building up your home operation base. So now what we're going to do is let's talk about a topic that a lot of people actually don't know, but have probably always wondered. And that is the difference between a credit union versus a bank. It seems like such a simple topic Yeah. until you think about it. When we were researching and the more we've learned about the differences between the two, I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that either. You know, there's, there's a lot of kind of subtle differences that are interesting to learn about. Absolutely. And so let's go ahead and talk about a few of them because a lot of them are actually pretty interesting. So when it comes to a credit union versus a bank, it's honestly, it just comes down to your preference, what you want, where you want to store your money. So there's a lot of different options out there, but let's first talk about credit unions and what they are. Well, essentially, credit unions and banks are going to offer very similar services. They'll offer a checking account, a savings account, credit cards sometimes, uh, CDs, which are certificate of deposits, where you can store your money for in exchange for interest payments for a little bit. There's, um, there's All these are going to be very similar uh, services that you have, but there are some differences. 
When it comes to a credit union, now credit unions do, ha uh, they do have their money insured. So if you store your money with them, they're insured up to $250,000, just like it would with a bank underneath the FDIC. So that's good news. So what does it mean when we talk about insured, right? Your money is insured and you can usually see that on any bank, FDIC. Um, you know, protected up to $250,000. Well, when the Great Depression happened, people started running on the banks. What that meant was they went to the bank and they said, you know, I've got $10,000 in my checking account. I want to withdraw all that right now in cash. Now, banks have tons of people with tons of different accounts and lots of money in them. And especially now with online banking, it's not like you're going to a physical physical location and keeping your money there. And even when it was less online, you'd go deposit money, but it's not like the bank just had that amount of cash on hand. So if everybody goes and wants to withdraw all their money from their accounts, the bank doesn't have enough money to do it. So during the depression, they would just close their doors and say, we can't you know, we can't give you your money. So there are all these runs on the banks and it caused this big crash. So after that, the government created something where they will insure your money so you won't lose it um, in, you know, the event of a catastrophe or a, another similar depression up to $250,000. So if a bank goes out of business or if a, you know, there's a big crash, you're protected by the federal government for $250,000, which is really important. And it's good to remember, too, where you know, if you've got a ton of money in a savings account, good for you. You have over $215,000 in an account. You want to be careful you don't put more than that because anything above that amount is not protected in the event that the bank goes under. Anyone remember the movie A Wonderful Life or It's a Wonderful mm, Life yeah. with Jimmy Stewart? Well, that's what happened then. That was during uh, that was what the movie was about during that depression when all those people ran to the bank to get the money. So banks actually don't hold all of the money that you give them, they have they actually keep what's known as a reserve. And uh, that reserve, it's like 10%. Sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down, depending on the requirement by the Federal Reserve, what they tell banks to do. So banks will keep a certain amount, but they're not going to keep all of it. What they're going to do is take that money and lend it out to other people. And that's what the whole idea of credit, that's what credit means. That's how you get your mortgage, right? Because exactly. maybe you have a savings account with one bank and then you have a mortgage with that bank and they paid, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for your house using that money. Exactly. So what they'll do is they'll take your money and John's money and Phil's money and you'll put it into the bank and they'll say, we're going to hold your money. Thank you. And then they'll give it to somebody else. <laughs> that's sad. That's why... James Stewart was pulling cash out of his pockets, giving it to people. He was fronting that money with his own money. So they give it to other people so they can fund their loans, like a mortgage, for example. So they can pay the builders immediately. And then the bank says, okay, give me back money plus interest. And then so what happens is when you have, so they send out probably like what, 90, 80 to 90% of their money, depending on the reserve requirement. So they don't have all that money right in one spot. So if everybody runs after and says, give me my money, banks are doomed. And that's why we have this insured money here to make sure you're protected. So when it comes to credit unions and banks, both of them are going to be insured. A federal union will be insured by, uh, by an organization called the National Credit Union Administration. That's NCUA, up to $250,000. And same with the bank. So, so far, those, the two are very similar in that regard. Uh, but here's the thing. Here's some of the differences between the two. Credit unions have fewer options than traditional banks. They don't have as many services. But they offer clients access to better rates, usually, and more ATM locations because they are not publicly traded 
because uh, the cool thing about a union is members own the actual union, the credit union, and not uh, investors like they would with banks. So at that point, you can actually have uh, way more ATMs, you have less restrictions there, and uh, they can also offer you a little bit more interest when it comes to CDs and that sort of stuff. So credit unions are really, they're a really good option. So if you wanna consider a credit union to store your money, that's not a bad option. Now there are some cons though. Some of them would be, they don't have nearly as many brick and mortar locations that you can walk into like a bank would. Banks tend to be a little bit more national. So you'll have like a Bank of America, Wells Fargo or all those where they'll be in many different markets and many different states. And they also offer way more services. So you'll have, uh, so you'll have a credit union with fewer resources, but still your basics. Sometimes they'll offer more rates while banks will actually offer you way more stuff, but maybe not as much in return. Yeah, nowadays where so many things have moved online, it's not as big of a deal to make right. sure you have a brick and mortar, but it is nice if you need to withdraw cash or deposit the occasional check once a year. Um, but even then, too, there's you know apps that'll take a picture of the check and just deposit it. But when I was growing up in Texas, I had joined a bank because I knew that I wanted to move away for college, so I knew the bank would be wherever I'm at. I didn't join you know, kind of a more local credit union. So just kind of something to consider. And here's something else that is super cool about a credit union. A credit union is actually owned by its members and not by investors, which means they can file for non-for-profit status. So credit unions usually are non-for-profits. So that way they can just fund the basics and then they can uh, fund just what is necessary, which means they can have more earnings because they don't have as many expenditures as like a bank would have and investors saying, give me my money, that kind of thing. So just kind of research your area, see what is best for you. Uh, one thing though, that's interesting. I actually found this fact on a site called Investopedia. So on Investopedia, they actually showed some research from the National Credit Union Administration, the NCUA. And what they said here in their research that national average rates for a five-year CD offered by credit unions were roughly around 2.35% on a $10,000 budget compared to an average rate of 1.89 at a typical bank. So just know that you may get some better rates with credit unions and also memberships can be sometimes exclusive. Uh, when it comes to memberships, uh, you usually have to have a common bond. So like a geographical region, a territory, or even sometimes companies will create their own credit unions that only their members have access to. While a bank is way more inclusive, you can actually, uh, you can join any bank you want. And even given that though, it's pretty easy to join a credit union. Very easy. Like yeah. You can just go down the street. Usually it's just maybe you live in that state or something. Yep. It's pretty straightforward. Okay. So last thing that we'll talk about regarding banks here is uh, they're, again, some of the pros to banks are more accessible. Now, who insures banks though? Because banks are, again, insured by a different organization than credit unions. They're actually insured by the FDIC or the Federal, De uh, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. And just like credit unions, they'll insure up to $250,000. Again, they typically add more or have more services with banks. You'll have more offerings. Uh, but here's the thing though, just to Kimberly's point, which was a very good one, Online banks now are actually becoming a thing. And uh, there's actually some recent ones like Marcus and a few others that are offering in a savings account, like 1.3 to 1.5% of earnings. So it's almost comparable to a CD now at this point. They're offering way more in savings accounts than you would get for other typical 
uh, bank accounts that only offer you like 0.08%, very minimal earnings on savings. So put that into your consideration too, because maybe online would be the way to, for you to go if you want to earn more money in your savings. Yeah, we've got to talk about the new kid on the block, right? We really have been interested in the online-only option. That means they've got no locations, no ATMs, and they'll use – you can still withdraw cash through another ATM. Sometimes they'll have minimal fees, but where you're not doing that that often – or and they'll, they'll still let you often deposit checks too through another bank or you know through a different service, but it's pretty minimal. But if you're only depositing a couple checks a year, pulling out cash occasionally – it's really not a huge deal, you know, and I, I really like the idea of having an online account. A lot of them, like Todd had mentioned, was Marcus, which is a, the name for Goldman Sachs Bank. They just have these savings accounts, right? And so it's a great option to maybe pair. You have your checking account with a credit union or a bank, and then you can get an online-only savings account where the interest rate they'll pay you, maybe you'll earn 10 cents a month on your savings account with your bank, but you could earn, you know, $20 a month with your savings. So especially if you're saving for something big, um, it would be a great option to get an online only account. Sometimes it'll take a little bit longer to transfer those funds. I can't go to the bank today and withdraw that money. It'll take an extra day or two, but it's still, like we said, that that's not that often that you just immediately need money right now. Like, for example, a great savings option is if you're saving for a house and you've got a big down payment. Instead of it just sitting in your bank account waiting to be spent, if you put that in an online savings account where you earn a little bit more money off of that, it can totally add up. Especially when you have a pretty big amount in there, you can earn a few hundred dollars off of that, which is better than nothing. And that can help go towards those closing costs. And it's really encouraging every month when you have your savings. You Maybe you didn't add to it that month, but you still made some money. So definitely talk with an advisor or somebody that you trust, uh, somebody that's qualified, that is. What Kimberly and I have done, just to kind of give you an idea, uh, Kimberly and I have a savings account with our credit union. So we do have a credit union. And then we have our money there, just some immediate cash, an emergency fund if we need to pull out the money today. So that way we're covered on that regard. Yeah, just a small savings. But that savings is not going to, uh, it's not going to earn much in interest because it's in a savings account that earns squat. But it's just emergency money that we have immediately for use if we have to pull it out now. And then what we did is we took our money and put it into an online savings account that is uh, a bank. And we then put that money there because the interest that we were earning was like 1.5%, which is way more than we get with our uh, current credit union just in the savings account. So that way we have extra monies put away there. So that way it's earning a little bit of interest as it just sits there. And that way inflation won't hurt it, right? Because money over time loses its value. So it's kind of nice having our money retain its value somewhat. And that's what we personally do. So go ahead, set up your own in your own uh, format, talk with your partner, your spouse, and consider those options. So thanks for taking the time to talk about that engaging topic of banks and credit unions. Oh, yes. We love it. (laughs) It's good to know because there's a lot of things that maybe you wouldn't think about. um, And it's important to maybe think about even like we've talked about subtle habits will change things. Doing something subtle like signing up for an online savings account, putting money in there, that money can add up over time. So making small changes in your life and really understanding the difference between these different institutions can help you protect your money and as well as make the best decision for your money. So our our action item for today is pretty simple. 
but it's going to be discover what holdings company would be best for you. So maybe you're with a bank and you think, oh, you know, I think I'd like to go to a credit union. Or maybe you already have a checking account and you think, I should check out an online only savings account that can get me a lot more interest, especially if you're saving for something big. So look at what you have right now and consider if you want to move and think about some of these items and and take into consideration what your lifestyle is right now and maybe if a move could help you. So that's what we have for you today. Feel free to write in with any questions and if you could share this podcast as well as leave a comment and review below, that would be great. We'll see you next time on Homemade Ops. Mm-hmm.